Chapter 6, verses 24 through 27 of Catina Aria, Commentary on the Four Gospels Collected Out of the Works of the Fathers by St. Thomas Aquinas. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Verse 24. No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. He cannot serve God and mammon. Pseudo Chrysostom. The Lord had said above, that he that has a spiritual mind is able to keep his body free from sin, and that he who has not is not able. Of this he here gives the reason, saying, No man can serve two masters. Gloss. Otherwise it had been declared above that good things become evil when done with a worldly purpose. It might therefore have been said by someone, I will do good works from worldly and heavenly motives at once. Against this, the Lord says, No man can serve two masters. Chrysostom, or otherwise, in what had gone before, he had restrained the tyranny of avarice by many and weighty motives. But he now adds yet more. Riches do not only harm us in that they arm robbers against us and that they cloud our understanding, but they, moreover, turn us away from God's service. This he proves from familiar notions, saying, No man can serve two masters. Two, he means, whose orders are contrary, for concord makes one of many. This is proved by what follows, for either he will hate the one. He mentions, too, that we may see the change for the better is easy. For if one were to give himself up in despair as having been made a slave to riches, namely by loving them, he may hence learn that it is possible for him to change into a better service, namely by not submitting to such slavery, but by despising it. Gloss. Or he seems to allude to two different kinds of servants, one kind who serve freely for love, another who serve severely from fear. If then one serve two masters of contrary character from love, it must be that he hates the one if from fear, while he trembles before the one, he must despise the other. But as the world or God predominate in a man's heart, he must be drawn contrary ways. For God draws him who serves him to things above. The earth draws to things beneath. Therefore he concludes, he cannot serve God and mammon. Jerome. Mammon. Riches are so termed in Syriac. Let the covetous man who is called by the Christian name hear this, that he cannot serve both Christ and riches. Yet he said not he who has riches, but he who is the servant of riches. For he who is the slave of money guards his money as a slave, but he who has thrown off the yoke of his slavery dispenses them as a master. Gloss. By mammon is meant the devil, who is the lord of money. Not that he can bestow them unless where God wills, but because by means of them he deceives men. Augustine, whoso serves mammon, that is riches, verily serves him, who, being for desert of his perversity set over the things of earth, is called by the Lord the prince of this world, or otherwise who the two masters are he shows when he says he cannot serve God and mammon, that is to say, God and the devil. Either then man will hate the one and love the other, namely God, or he will endure the one and despise the other. 
for he who is mammon's servant endures a hard master for ensnared by his own lust he has been made subject to the devil and loves him not as one whose passions have connected him with another man's handmaid suffers a hard slavery yet loves not him whose handmaid he loves but he said will despise and not will hate the other for none can with a right conscience hate god but he despises that is fears him not as being certain of his goodness verse twenty five therefore i say unto you take no thought for your life what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink nor yet for your body what ye shall put on is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment augustine the lord had taught above that whoso desires to love god and to take heed not to offend should not think that he can serve two masters lest though perhaps he may not look for superfluities yet his heart may become double for the sake of very necessaries and his thoughts bent to obtain them therefore i say unto you be not ye careful for your life what ye shall eat or for your body what ye shall put on chrysostom he does not hereby mean that the spirit needs food for it is incorporeal but he speaks according to common usage for the soul cannot remain in the body unless the body be fed augustine or we may understand the soul in this place to be put for the animal life jerome some manuscripts add here nor what ye shall drink that which belongs naturally to all animals alike to brutes and beasts of burden as well as to man from all thought of this we are not freed but we are bid not to be anxious what we should eat for in the sweat of our face we earn our bread the toil is to be undergone the anxiety put away this be not careful is to be taken of bodily food and clothing for the food and clothing of the spirit it becomes us to always be careful augustine there are certain heretics called uchite who hold that a monk may not do any work even for his support who embrace this profession that they may be freed from necessity of daily labor augustine for they say the apostle did not speak of personal labor such as that of husbandman or craftsman when he said who will not work neither let him eat for he could not be so contrary to the gospel where it is said therefore i say unto you be not careful therefore in the saying of the apostle we are to understand spiritual works of which it is elsewhere said i have planted apollos watered and thus they think themselves obedient to the apostolic precept interpreting the gospel to speak of not taking care for the needs of the body and the apostle to speak of spiritual labor and food first let us prove that the apostle meant that the servants of god should labor with the body he had said ye yourselves know how ye ought to imitate us in that we were not troublesome among you nor did we eat any man's bread for naught but travailing in labor and weariness day and night we might not be burdensome to any of you not that we have not power but that we might offer ourselves as a pattern to you which ye should imitate for when we were among you this we taught among you that if a man would not work neither should he eat what shall we say to this 
since he taught by his example what he delivered in precept, in that he himself wrought with his own hands. This is proved from the Acts, where it is said that he abode with Aquila and his wife Priscilla, laboring with them, for they were tent-makers. And yet to the apostle, as a preacher of the gospel, a soldier of Christ, a planter of the vineyard, a shepherd of his flock, the Lord had appointed that he should live of the gospel, but he refused that payment which was justly his due, that he might present himself an example to those who exacted what was not due to them. Let those hear this who have not the power which he had, namely of eating bread for naught, and only laboring with spiritual labor. If indeed they be evangelists, if ministers of the altar, if dispensers of the sacraments, they have this power, or if they had had in this world possessions, whereby they might without labor have supported themselves, and had on their turning to God distributed this to the needy, then were their infirmity to be believed and to be borne with, and would not import whatever place it was in which he made the distribution, seeing there is but one commonwealth of all Christians. But they who enter the profession of God's service from the contrary life, from the workman's craft, or the common labor, if they work not, are not to be excused. For it is by no means fitting that, in that life in which senators become laborers, there should laboring men become idle, or that where lords of farms, having given up their luxuries, there should rustic slaves come to find luxury. But when the Lord says, Be not ye careful, he does not mean that they should not procure such things as they have need of, wherever they may honestly, but that they should not look to these things, and should not for their sake do what they are commanded to do in preaching the gospel. For this intention he had a little before called the eye. Chrysostom. Or we may connect the context otherwise. When the Lord had incalculated contempt of money, that none might say, How then shall we be able to live when we have given up our all? He adds, Therefore I say unto you, Take no thought for your life. Gloss. That is, be not withdrawn by temporal cares from things eternal. Jerome. The command is therefore not to be anxious what we shall eat. For it is also commanded that in the sweat of our face we must eat bread. Toil therefore is enjoined, irking forbidden. Pseudo Chrysostom. Bread may not be gained by carefulness of spirit, but by toil of the body, and to them that will labor it abounds. God bestowing it as a reward of their industry, and is lacking to the idle. God withdrawing it as a punishment of their sloth. The Lord also confirms our hope, and descending first from the greater to the less, says, Is not the life more than meat, and the body than raiment? Jerome, he who has given the greater, will he not also give the less? Pseudo Chrysostom, for had he not willed that that which was should be preserved, he had not created it what he so created that it should be preserved by food it is necessary that he give it food as long as he would have it to be preserved hilary otherwise because the thoughts of the unbelievers were ill-employed respecting care of things future cavilling concerning what is to be the appearance of our bodies in the resurrection 
but the food in the eternal life. Therefore, he continues, is not the life more than food? You will not endure that our hope should hang in care for the meat and drink and clothing that is to be in the resurrection, lest there should be an affront given to him who has given us the more precious things, and are being anxious that he should also give us the lesser. Verses 26 and 27. Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather in barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? Pseudo-Chrysostom. For having confirmed our hope by this arguing from the greater to the less, he next confirms it by an argument from less to greater. Behold the fowls of the air. They sow not, neither do they reap. Augustine. Some argue that they ought not to labor, because the fowls of the air neither sow nor reap. Why then do they not attend to that which follows, neither gather into barns? Why do they seek to have their hands idle and their storehouses full? Why indeed do they grind corn and dress it? For this do not the birds. Or even if they find men whom they can persuade to supply them day by day with fiddles ready prepared, at least they draw water from the spring and set on table for themselves, which the birds do not. But if neither are driven to fill themselves vessels with water, then have they gone one new step of righteousness beyond those who were at the time at Jerusalem, who of corn sent to them of free gift, made or caused to be made loaves, which the birds do not. But not to lay up anything for the morrow cannot be observed by those, who for many days together, withdrawn from the sight of men, and suffering none to approach them, shut themselves up to live in much fervency of prayer. What, will you say, that the more holy men become, the more unlike the birds of the air in this respect they become? What he says respecting the birds of the air, he says to this end, that none of his servants should think that God has no thought of their wants, when they see him so provide even for these inferior creatures. Neither is it not God that feeds those that earn their bread by their own labors, neither because God hath said, Call upon me in the day of trouble, and I will deliver thee. Ought that apostle therefore not to have fled, but to have remained still to have been seized, that God might save him, as he did the three children out of the midst of the fire. Should any object in this sort to the saints in their flight from persecution, they would answer that they ought not to tempt God, and that God, if he pleased, would so do to deliver them as he had done Daniel from the lions, Peter from prison. Then, when they could no longer help themselves, but that in having made flight possible to them, should they be saved by flight. It was by God that they were saved. In like manner, such of God's servants as have strength to earn their food by the labor of their hands would easily answer any who should object to them this out of the gospel concerning the birds of the air that they neither sow nor reap and would say, if we, by sickness or any other hindrance, are not able to work, he will feed us as he feeds the birds that work not. But when we can work, we ought not to tempt God, 
seeing that even this ability is his gift and that we live here we live of his goodness that has made us able to live he feeds us by whom the birds of the air are fed as he says your heavenly father feedeth them are not ye of much greater value augustine ye are of more value because a rational animal such as man is is higher in the scale of nature than an irrational such as are the birds of the air id indeed a higher price is often given for a horse than a slave for a jewel than for a waiting maid but this not from reasonable valuation but from the need of the person requiring or rather from his pleasure desiring it pseudo chrysostom for god created all animals for man but man for himself therefore by how much the more precious is the creation of man so much the greater is god's care for him if then the birds without toiling find food shall man not find to whom god has given both knowledge of labor and hope of fruitfulness jerome there be some who seeking to go beyond the limits of their fathers and to soar into the air sink into the deep and are drowned these will have the birds of the air to mean the angels and the other powers in the ministry of god who without any care of their own are fed by god's providence but if this be indeed as they would have it how follows it said to men are ye not of more worth than they it is to be taken then in the plain sense if birds that to-day are and to-morrow are not be nourished by god's providence without thought or toil of their own how much more men to whom eternity is promised hilary it may be said that under the name of birds he exhorts us by the example of the unclean spirits to whom without any trouble of their own in seeking and collecting it provision of life is given by the power of the eternal wisdom and to lead us to refer this to the unclean spirits he suitably adds are not ye of much more value than they thus showing the great interval between piety and wickedness gloss he teaches us not only by the instance of the birds but adds a further proof that to our being and life our own care is not enough but divine providence therein works saying which of you by taking thought can add one cubit to his stature pseudo chrysostom for it is god who day by day works the growth of your body yourself not feeling it if then the providence of god works thus daily in your very body how shall that same providence withhold from working the necessities of life and if by taking thought you cannot add the smallest part to your body how shall you by taking thought be altogether saved augustine or it may be connected with what follows as though he should say it was not by our care that our body was brought to its present stature so that we may know that if we desired to add one cubit to it we should not be able leave then the care of clothing that body to him who made it grow to its present stature hilary otherwise as by the example of the spirits he had fixed our faith in the supply of food for our lives so now by a decision of common understanding he cuts off all anxiety about supply of clothing seeing that he it is who shall raise in one perfect man every various kind of body 
that ever drew breath and is alone able to add one or two or three cubits to each man's stature surely in being anxious concerning clothing that is concerning the appearance of our bodies we offer affront to him who will add so much to each man's stature as shall bring all to an equality augustine but if christ rose again with the same stature with which he died it is impious to say that when the time of the resurrection of all shall come there shall be added to his body a bigness that it had not at his own resurrection for he appeared to his disciples with that body in which he had been known among them such that he shall be equaled to the tallest among men if again we say that all men's bodies whether tall or short shall be alike brought to the size and stature of the lord's body then much will perish from many bodies though he has declared that not a hair shall fall it remains therefore that each be raised in his own stature that stature which he had in youth if he died in old age if in childhood that stature to which he would have attained had he lived for the apostle says not to the measure of the stature but to the measure of the full age of christ for the bodies of the dead shall rise in youth and maturity to which we know that christ attained end of chapter six verses twenty four through twenty seven